shout out to all of you adventurers, tourists, travelers, and general vagabonds joining us today at Point Noir, home of the Point Noir podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jerry the Third, aka Kimono Jack, and this is session 13, Baker's Dozen, or lucky number 13, as I like to look at it. So glad you're here with us. We have another awesome show lined up for you. But before we get into introducing today's special guest, I wanted to remind everybody to share your favorite episode and tell somebody that doesn't have a passport that we're sponsoring passports. We'll have a lot more news on our current winners. We've been giving them out and refining our process. So we definitely want you guys to take part and help us out by letting interested parties know what we're up to because we're out here to try to do a lot of good. So with that all being said, hope you guys have enjoyed your day so far. It's about to get a whole lot better with today's special guest coming right up. Joining us today at The Point is the luxury travel don himself, Mr. Travis Levius, a.k.a. Mr. Levius on Instagram. Make sure you check out his account, follow him to see his upcoming luxurious adventures, and check out some of his previous ones. There's a lot of cool stuff back there. Travis was awesome enough to stop by The Point and share with us some of his transition between being an assistant teacher in Atlanta only a few years ago to being a highly sought-after luxury travel content creator. He has found a way to mix his passions of travel and creating art through photography and videography, editing and writing skills to really make this amazing lifestyle and career where he can not only travel the world, but get paid to do so. One of the most interesting things about this session is that we break down some of the mindset shifts and some of his perspective on how he was able to make this transition. And I think it's practical advice that anybody can start using immediately. So grab your favorite beverage, find a cozy place to chill out and enjoy today's session. Hello, Travis. Hey, what's going on, bro? Nothing. Well, I was going to say nothing much, but a lot. How are you, man? I'm great, man. I'm just going to start it off as we usually do by welcoming you to Point Noir. So great you're here with us, bro. How are you feeling? Yeah, feeling feeling all right. Um, a lot going on, but, um, you know, can't complain. It's all it's all good stuff. Yeah, that's that positivity we like to promote and share. Where, where are you at right now? Right now I am in London, which got really cold. <laughs> <laughs> Already? August. And um, just a month ago, we had a huge heat wave. Yeah. yeah missing that oh well uh you know maybe it'll warm that's weird though isn't august to get that chilly in london it does at night at night it's probably like in the low 50s sometimes so even though it might be in the high 70s during the day at night you will need a jacket unfortunately right especially with no cloud cover and stuff well you know that just attributes to the classical depressing nature of the weather out there too so <laughs> it's true that's, that's tradition if the brits represent one thing it is it is tradition you know <laughs> <laughs> well listen dude i'm glad you can make it in and for those of you who listening in we've actually spoken before but we had some technical difficulties so it's i'm actually not even looking at my notes from last time because we're just going to do this as a whole new interview so again glad you can make the time i know you just came back off a trip to your most recent trip was israel yes mm-hmm. yeah so maybe we'll even get up that far but why don't we start by telling the people a little bit about your your backstory how you got into travel how you became Mr. Levius, if y'all don't know already, this is the Mr. Levius. So please tell us. Right, cool. So uh, I'm Travis, aka Mr. Levius. Yeah. Uh, that name goes hard, bro. Like, I hope <laughs> you have a shirt, like a jacket, like Chappelle has his thing that says Chappelle on it. You know, you need one that says Mr. Levius. So when you show up, people know. 
Okay, that's a, I need to put that on my ideas list. Thank you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> um, but I am a former assistant teacher turned globetrotting journalist, consultant, and content creator. Um, I came that way by kind of taking a huge leap of faith by quitting my job in Atlanta and just following my gut, which was moved to my dream city of London. And um, after a few months of being very poor and not understanding what I was here for, things worked out and started my writing career and it took off. And now I'm kind of pretty much living out my wildest dreams as a travel journalist. Wow, dude, that, that is so awesome. And not just any travel journalist. If I remember correctly, you specialize in luxury travel. Oh, yes. So I get to do the things that millionaires get to do that I know I can't do on my own. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way, though. That's super dope. So, so growing up, are you from the Atlanta area originally? No, not at all. I was a military brat. I'm originally from Brooklyn. Okay. If anybody's from Brooklyn, stand up. <laughs> yeah, BK, what up? Um, but my stepfather was in the Navy, so I moved around a lot. Uh, D.C., Arkansas, back to the D.C. area at Virginia Beach. And then I went to Atlanta for college. And since college, has kind of been my adult hometown ever since. Okay, that makes sense. And it happens to a lot of us that way, too. So growing up, you had traveled domestically a bit, seen some other large, especially, I mean, D.C. to Atlanta. I mean, those are some pretty significant East Coast staples. Did you get to travel internationally much when you were growing up with your family? No, I didn't travel internationally at all. My first um, foray into traveling abroad was actually um, studying abroad um, okay. for the summer, uh, going into my senior year. That was my first international trip. Okay. And where'd you head to again? It was a two-week program in Galway, Ireland. So in where? Galway. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Is that like one of the more, I haven't been to Ireland. Is that one of the more popular spots where like they have the Blarney Stones and stuff or no? I'm not sure, but it's in Southern Ireland. <laughs> okay, <laughs> then we'll go with no. <laughs> but it's it's a very beautiful um, seaside town. It's not like a major, major city, but okay. you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty important town um, next to all this, the mountains and the uh, you know, beautiful water. Nice. And yeah, I pretty much enjoyed myself. And then uh, three weeks in London. And when I came to London, um, this was 10 years ago, aging myself now. Um, I just realized that this was home and I loved it ever since I, I came over there, over here. Wow. So having your first travel experience and saying, okay, this is a place I need to, I need to find some way to live. What was it about the, the experience that inspired that in you? I, well, even then and now I'm a really big like music head mm -hmm. and just being in London I just feel like they got me musically. Like the music tastes were just, just incredible. And like the things that are underground in the States are pretty much like prime time or listed on the charts in London. Wow. So just that part alone was just like, this is, this is where I need to be. But on top of that, <clears throat> it's so much easier to get around the rest of the world being in London as opposed to being in the States. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of money being in London. Um, it's very world-class. It's very diverse. The diversity that I appreciate in New York, I get here in London, if not more so. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Uh, the architecture. Yeah. The, um, and the fact that you can't get bored, there's always something to do here. So even, even me walking, going out and about um, a few days ago into different neighborhoods that I enjoy, seeing new places and, and new 
hidden alleyways I'd never come across before. It just always, always excites me. So London is number one to me forever. Wow. Okay. And that's awesome that you found a way to make that your current reality. And I, I'm kind of inspired to go back to London. So I barely got in the first time (laughs) due to some legal situations uh, due to my stays, alleged stays in France. Um, And we were doing kind of like the touristy thing. And, you know, I definitely hit Brixton and stuff, but I wasn't so really inspired to go back. But the way you speak about it, I'm just like, wow, there's probably a whole different, I mean, several different sides of London I haven't seen. So we'll have to talk about that because I, I definitely respect your point of view. I need to give it a second chance. Yeah, you do. (laughs) So much to see here. <clears throat> and in London, there, there's a there's a part of London for every type of person, you know? Okay. If you're into the classic part, you can do that. If you're more into, like, um, edgy, hipster part, there's there's a place for you there, too. So, absolutely, it's, it's, a, it's a place that's, that's everything to everyone, really. Okay. Wow. Well, uh, I'll definitely keep that in mind. So let's talk about the transition you made from being a school teacher. Did you go to school to be a school teacher or it was just fallbacks on top of fallbacks? Um, no, I never went to school there. But funny enough, when I applied for So first of all, I got the job at the school. It's a private school for children with learning disabilities, um, mm-hmm. like this, like a dyslexia and ADD. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually just got the job as a, like an after school counselor. Okay. Um, and I looked back at my resume of what I did during college, and it's funny enough, like pretty much all my extracurriculars were education related. Oh wow! So, and I and I was at one point an educational studies major. So maybe in the future I thought I'd be teaching or doing, you know, um, admit being me being an administrator or whatnot. So right. eventually, so someone. Um, at the school told me that they're looking for um, assistant teachers. And I was like, well, don't you have to have a degree? And they were like, no, you don't. I'm like, what? So um, I applied and got it. And I first was doing middle school for the Mm -hmm. first year, hated it. And uh, middle schoolers, I wanted to, mm, they did too much. But high schoolers, um, that was the second year and I enjoyed that a lot. Um, okay. We're speaking to young adults on the brink of um, following their passion and trying to figure out what they want to do in life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how that's how that all that's how me being an assistant teacher happened. Wow. And then you just decided to get up one day and throw it all away. Is that is that how it happened? <laughs> well, what happened was <laughs> I visited London for summer, and every time I come I came to London before, I would always like wail and moan when I come back to the States, like, oh, I really want to <laughs> so bad. I want to be in London so bad. But right. um, one time when I, when I, when I came uh, before I moved here, I said to myself, you know what? As much as I want to move here, when the time comes, it'll come. I'm not going to stress about it um, and force it. You know, it's just going to happen when it happens and being patient to do so. And then my gut, my instinct, my intuition, whatever you want to call it, it's um, like two months later, it was like time to make the move, time to go to London and it wouldn't go away. Um, no matter what I would do, it was just the same message, like time to move to London, time to move to London by next summer. So really the jump was me kind of just obeying my intuition and yeah. being willing to risk 
stepping into the unknown. So it took a lot of courage. Yeah, dude, 100%. That's a lot of courage. Yeah. Uh, let's break that down, though. Were, were there some things that, that, that happened or, you know, what were you just so you had that much faith in your intuition and, and the love for the city that you were willing to, to trust yourself? A lot of people have intuition, but they don't have the courage. Yes. And people then try to figure out why they're so miserable. <laughs> I, I, I'm not laughing lightly, but yeah, it's, it's the truth. When you've made a jump like that, you, you see it so clearly, bro. And it's just the fact that like, it basically, I've, I've kind of understand that intuition is going to tell you to go a way that you one never thought of, or and two, um, it's going to make you uncomfortable. And so for me, I know I weighed out the option of okay, do I <clears throat> don't do I not take the jump and just stay safe and miserable, or do I know that life is precious? The worst that can the worst thing that can happen if I make the jump is that I'll go back to where I started and that it's just worth me taking the jump because it actually might work out and I actually, you know, live out the things I wanted to do in my life. So mm-hmm. I just decided uh, it was worth taking the jump. A hundred percent, dude. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. Stay and be miserable or give yourself a chance to experience a slice of what you want. That's it, man. And it, But it did take months for myself to to come to grips with that because yes absolutely it was scary and of course even taking the jump itself and putting in my two weeks notice and buying my one-way ticket it was absolutely terrifying but one thing i've learned um through that situation and after that was just basically you can't cure fear you just have to do it afraid (laughs) right right it's like those quotes where they ask people who accomplish something you know if they feel fear they're like yeah but i just do it (laughs) that's it Wow, dude, that's that's super powerful. And I appreciate you being able to talk to that experience with so much clarity because there are a lot of people considering it. And the fact that it took you months, bro, that that's your process. Some people, it's taken them decades. Some people never get it done. So True. shout out to you. And let's talk about what happened after London. So you hit London and what has making that decision, you know, committing to yourself in that way opened up in terms of your life after that point? Mm. Uh, so I came with uh, $300 to my name. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is how much in pounds? Just so people who haven't experienced that conversion rate <laughs> don't get shell-shocked. Um, like, pounds actually not as bad as it used to be. So maybe about um, 180, 200 pounds. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Not a lot. 200. Not, especially in London, it's not cheap. Eh? No, not at all. So, you know, sleeping on couches, one time sleeping on the floor from friends that I've known. Mm-hmm. But the same hunch that told me to move to London um, told me that I need to start writing. Yeah. So my background was actually in photography um, that I was still doing as a teacher and I was doing years before I became a teacher, assistant teacher. And um, I got the hook up for an editor looking for photography related content for a uh, photography, it's like a, it's a, it was like a innovative photography camera software sort of thingy. So they were looking for content writers. So that was my first, um, t- that was my first taste of being paid for my writing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh wow, I'm getting out of poverty now, you know, hallelujah. <laughs> but, um, that led into me getting more serious on my blog, which I've had since 2010. 
it started off as inspiration, then it got into travel and inspiration. Yeah. And um, I'm like, well, I'm in London. I love London. Why don't I just write more things about London on, on the blog? So that gave me uh, a bit of a portfolio of my writing about the city, mm-hmm. the food. Then I saw there was an opening for an unpaid position as a London editor for a major website called The Daily Meal, which is a food and drink website based okay. on New York. Uh, that gave me, you know, now I have like bylines with my name on it the place that have millions of viewers, it feels good. And then months later, I'm realizing, well, okay, well, my dream is to travel the world. Now that I understand how all this works with the editorial process and working with PRs, I'm like, why don't I start writing on the travel section? And that's when everything just took off for me. Um, I was able to go to South Africa and see the most beautiful places and stay in the most beautiful hotels and snorkel with dolphins and beach resorts in Mozambique and got to accompany um, a star chef called Edon Sanchez that's on the Food Network and, and um, follow him to Argentina to do a story on him for the website and he's taking me now to Sri Lanka and the Easter Island and the Maldives and all these other places. And um, I just, I just uh, think all of that, I just, I don't know, I just attribute the entire journey just from me um, taking that jump in the first place and not being scared because it all worked out. A hundred percent. And you put in the work in, bro, because you being able to rediscover some skills in terms of your writing. I mean, having a blog for almost for eight years, almost 10 years is a big deal. You know, most blogs don't make it eight months. <laughs> and <laughs> I can tell you that from experience, like my blog I think it goes on and off the internet like every other year. No, but I mean, yeah, <laughs> like the consistency is tough, but you found it, you put that grind in, you took an unpaid position and just let the people know in South Africa, when you were out there, like tell me about the blue train a little bit, because I don't think they quite realize the level that you travel at. We've had discussions where you were like, dude, you might not want to do what I have done because you cannot go back. Tell me about the blue train a little bit. <laughs> well, funny enough, <clears throat> I did two trains in South Africa. And, and definitely the, the top two look most luxurious ones would be the Blue Train and another one called the Rovos Rail. Mm-hmm. And I would say the Rovos Rail is even more luxurious than the Blue Train. Oh, my goodness. T- tell me about it, because I'm, I'm taking notes. I need to get my dreams bigger. <laughs> why, why would somebody in 2018 get on a train to travel across uh, southern a- South Africa? What's that experience like? What's, what's involved? What's involved? Well, with a luxury train like this, I find I find trains meditative, you know? Yeah. If you especially if you are if your train is going through spectacular scenery, mm-hmm. it's not something you want to rush. So mm. going from Johannesburg to Cape Town is a two hour flight. But one on the luxury trains, it's um between twenty-four to thirty-six hours. Okay. So you get the chance to really savor the landscape, see how it changes from, you know, bushland to, you know, towering mountains and semi semi-desert um and then being on the, on the on the caboose in the op- open air observation deck and then just like, you know, just be on the elements as the wind, you know, <laughs> brushes against your face as you're seeing all the scenery. I think it's just a it just uh, a beautiful experience. But with these trains, um, they're both 
very classic. So it's almost like you are um, in another era, you know, like you're in the right. 1920s. And even for dinner, for both of them, they require you to wear um, a suit or, mm. or a dress, which just kind of just brings that glamorous, you know, brings that glamorous effect to the experience. So, um, and, and of course, instead of just being in a, in a seat with a passenger you don't know, you have your own suite. Inside the train. Inside the train. You have your own bed. You have your own bathroom. You know, um, you have your own fridge. You have your own TV. So it's it's definitely um, luxurious. You know, this is not um, this is not Amtrak. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is not the Acela. Right. Yo, bro. I mean, just from you describing it, you said, you know, I, I'm going to paraphrase, but what I heard was one needs to take one's time when traveling on train. You made it sound like a fine cigar, bro. Like, I've never even thought of trains that way. Yeah, absolutely. Especially going through scenery. You, you know, it's just um, slow travel is sometimes a beautiful way to travel, I think. Wow, and doing it in comfort and style. Okay, I just wanted to be, I wanted to understand for myself, so that was low-key selfish. I'm not sorry about it. I just wanted to hear so I can, you know, save up my coins and have these experiences. Can I gamble on the train? That, that's important. Can I gamble? There's no casino, unfortunately. Okay. But, you know, I think I can deal with the rest. I just, I needed to know. Yeah. But that's all. I have to give a shout out to the best train experience I've ever had, which is uh, not in South Africa. It's actually in Canada. Okay. I would check out Rocky Mountaineer. Rocky Mountaineer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And funny enough, they don't, it's, it's a... They do day trips, and you, but you overnight in hotels along the way. Okay, okay. Um, so the train is uh, passenger, like you have your seat or whatever. But just experience the service and the sights, being going through the Rocky Mountains, and looking at the forest, and you know passing by like you know goats and sometimes grizzly bears is just astounding. So um, that's not too far from Dallas. So I would totally check out Rocky Mountaineer too. Well, thank you for for just, you know, (laughs) for just handing that to me. It's in Dallas. uh, Now I've got no excuse. Uh, Damn. But I mean, that that mix between kind of that that luxury, that comfort and being able to see and appreciate nature and still go somewhere like that's that's really cool, bro. Yeah, Uh, that's super dope. All right. I hope you guys are inspired by that, because like I said, I'm being selfish right now. I want to know about these damn trains Um, because they're not the same everywhere. And we don't have the same sort of train culture in the States. Our trains suck. Yeah. Uh, And if you work for the rail lines, like you already know it. So I don't need to apologize. Our train system sucks. It's completely different. As soon as you go over to Europe and get on our high speed trains or go to Japan, like our stuff is boo boo. Exactly. Yeah, so don't let that shade your experience and be like, oh, why would I get on a train? Like, Mr. Levia says get on a train. You get on a damn train, bro. That's right. No. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it. Um, sweet. So let's talk about um, your, what's been your favorite experience? And actually, let's talk about this, because I know you're not always in London. You, you kind of hang out in South Africa a bit, too, right? I hang out in South Africa. I always, always spend a few months out of the year um, back in Atlanta, which is my American home base. Mm-hmm. But um, in the perfect situation, which is what I'm trying to work on now, um, I will split most of my time between London and Johannesburg the most. I will still go to yeah. Atlanta because, um, you know, there's things I can do there, speaking gigs and, of course, seeing friends and family and having the base to, you know, to see the rest of the states and in the, the Western and, you know, the, the Americas. But um, 
London is my favorite city in the whole wide world, but Johannesburg is my second favorite. Yeah. And I just would want to be at a point where I can live comfortably and going, you know, back and forth, but chasing the warm seasons. <laughs> so I can yes. enter at all times. Right. A hundred percent. And that's, that's important. Like when you start traveling this way, you're like, Oh, wait a second. I don't have to be here for this snow. Like, okay, I'm out. Exactly. So overall, you know, growing up from the States and, you know, taking that leap of faith, what experience has maybe changed your perspective about yourself? Like what has empowered your identity the most? And I don't want to say as a black man, because you took a vastly different route. I feel like people who take those one way tickets the way I did or the way you did or some of the other guests, like we're looking for more than just, hey, how do I feel good about being a black man? It's just kind of like a almost feels like a higher calling on that. You know what I mean? Hmm. And maybe maybe this is me, but yeah, hmm. Changed how it changed me. Um, I think traveling definitely has made me more. I don't know. The more I travel, the more I know that I don't know anything. Hmm. You know, like there's just there's just so much depth and complexity and different ways of living, of thinking, of being, and um. You know, it's just beautiful. It's just uh, it's a beautiful experience. But I think I was raised in a, in a fashion where you interpret you your family interprets your life for you, and you have to see it as truth. Or society interprets life for you, and you see it as truth. But I think the more I travel, the more I realize that like everywhere I go is everyone just trying to interpret life the best way that they can. Yeah, and um, and seeing it that way just made me just made me more open-minded yeah a thousand percent even from being able to take the jump but I've, I've seen very similar things and especially you know I went back to working in corporate and just recently stopped but you know everyone's just trying to figure this shit out on their own no matter what level no matter how much success or lack thereof people are just really carving their own paths and some of them look really similar so we kind of group them together but you look down at each story and they're they're vastly different you know yeah Oh, that's what's up. Oh, wow. I'm getting a little philosophical here. I like this. This is dope. Um, so what's been your favorite experience so far? And and just for the record, when you're out here as a luxury travel journalist and photographer, these trips are paid for, right? <clears throat> yes. So um, people might think that the publications cover the expenses. That's not the case. Um, so case in point, I just came back from a trip to Israel, which was fantastic. Tel Aviv mm. is now one of my top five favorite cities. Um, I was invited by Israel's Ministry of Tourism. It was me and other journalists uh, writing for mm-hmm. titles. And in exchange for us getting a commission, which is um, for us getting approval by an editor to write a story on Israel or a facet of Israel, they will then in turn host us um, by covering the flights, um, and giving us a, a tour of the city and staying in hotels and restaurants and, and covering, of course, entrance fees for different um, um, heritage sites and whatnot. And um, that's how that happens. So it's the it's whatever I'm experiencing, that's who covers the expenses. And then I get paid by the editor um, paying me for my story after my experience. Uh, so it's kind of like a two-part system. There's the people who are who are kind of hosting you, which take care of 
you know, those expenses, but then also for the additional value you add for the publication, you get paid as a professional. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's super dope. So maybe what are some of the biggest, what, are there some other misconceptions about what it's like to be a travel influencer and specifically uh, a luxury travel influencer? Like what, where people get it twisted all the time? Hmm. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is that, um, I mean, I guess, I, I guess you can call me a travel influencer or a content creator, but um, I don't get my trips from, I basically I don't get paid for that. I don't get trips from that. I get my trips from being a travel journalist. Okay. And then, so basically I write for uh, titles like CNN and um, UK newspaper, The Telegraph and Forbes Travel Guide <clears throat> and Business Insider. So that's how, I'm, that's how I'm able to travel the world the way I do for work. Um, but what I want to do eventually is, and what I've been doing now, of course, is when I do go on those travels, I take all the experiences that I have, take the pictures, um, you know, recollect them, and then use that for content for my social media. Okay. So okay. I can't consider myself a, a professional travel influencer if that's if that's something because um, I don't get uh, I don't get these perks from my own social media channels. It's just what I have on there is just a byproduct of what I do as a journalist. Okay, a hundred percent. So that's a, that's a good distinction to make. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can talk about the amount of work that you do when you're on these luxury trips. Like we're talking, is it, is it a cush gig? Is it demanding when you're out here for a week or, you know, however long you might be out on a trip, like how much are you actively working to, to get a good job done? Mm. Well, there's two different types of trips. There's a group press trip and an individual visual press trip. Mm -hmm. Group press trips tend to be a lot more demanding because as individual press trip, usually um, set things up on your own. And um, you can schedule at your own time the things you can okay. do and write about. <clears throat> but with group press trips, you're going to have to wake up in the morning, most likely, uh, sometimes very early in the morning, maybe eight or seven sometimes, maybe even mm. earlier. And um, you're, just showing, you're just showing around different parts of uh, the city or country or hotel or cruise or train um, during the day. And, uh, you know, you take notes when you, when you get there, of course, take your pictures, um, ask questions to maybe chefs that you've met and you're eating at the restaurant or um, speaking with the general manager of a hotel or museum curator or whatnot. And, uh, you know, write that down to get the story. So, yes, even though being able to travel the world for a living can be fun, uh, usually when you're on... Uh, press trip it is uh, quite exhausting uh, especially if you want to have some free time after dinner um, to kind of explore on your own Uh, you can't really do too much because you have to wake up early the next day so it can be a big ruling but you know I can't complain at all I mean you get to do all this stuff you know get paid for it right so it's still a blessing yeah 100 percent and I like that you see it in that positive way. So are you ever able to extend your trips out a little bit longer or those tickets are kind of fixed? Let's say that you were invited, hosted at a city for five days and then you said, uh, you know, push my flight, my return flight another two days and then you cover your own costs. Are you able to have that sort of flexibility? Yes, that, I have that flexibility 95% of the time. Okay. Uh, even with Israel, because I, I knew, I knew for sure that I was going to Tel Aviv and I wasn't wrong. 
um, I told them before they booked the flights that I would like uh, to extend my, like to uh, postpone my flight date out of Israel back to London um, a little later. And so, yeah, it's been an extra week or a week and a half in Tel Aviv so I can do oh, wow. and even do the stories that I wanted to do um, that I couldn't do on a group press trip. So there were other hotels that I wanted to review, other restaurants and bars um, that I wanted to um, perhaps write about for different publications. And me staying there longer um, enabled me to do so. Right, so you maximize the opportunity to get content. And I'm, I'm dying to know, what was it about Tel Aviv that made you think you'd like it? And then what confirmed that for you? I kept hearing that Tel Aviv was such an outlier in the Middle East where people think Middle East is very conservative and religious. And, you know, I guess for the most part it is. Tel Aviv is complete. And I've heard that Tel Aviv is completely um, secular, um, very liberal. Uh, beaches are great. Food is great. Really hot people. Um, it just seemed like a place for a young person, a young cosmopolitan chap like myself. Yeah. Uh, when I came, my expectations were completely met and then some. Uh, it's, uh, I feel like it's a small city as far as it just having 500,000 people, but I feel like it has enough to do and has the energy of one with like five or seven million people. Wow. And it's so walkable, um, so safe. That I've, I didn't see any sort of strife. I was never in danger. You can walk around even as a woman at night and no one's going to bother you. The food scene there is incredible. Um, they like partying until six in, in the morning or later, like how I sometimes do in London. So that was great. And uh, yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, man, that was an amazing time. I actually want to see if I can get back there and do some more stories um, and do some more, um, survey some more new hotels and new restaurants that open up this year because I like it that much. Yeah, 100%. I'm sure those those establishments would appreciate, you know, somebody with your level of experience loving the city that much and just wanting to engage because you dig it. Like, that's a win-win for everybody. Absolutely, absolutely. So I can't wait to, I just start. I just posted my first um, Israel-based trip in Jerusalem, but I'm really looking forward to posting this stuff on Tel Aviv, which, which probably will come out in the next one or two weeks. Okay. That out. Yeah, and you do a really good job posting stories between the, the videography and the, the photos you take. Uh, definitely make sure you guys check them out on Instagram. Again, everything will be in the show notes. But shout out to you getting your uh, poll feature, yeah. finally. <laughs> That's how you doing. Yo, like people people don't know, like not everybody gets the same features on Instagram. And for those who are really trying to build their brand or their accounts, like not everybody has polls. Not everybody has questions. Not everybody even has GIFs, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Questions either until um, I got the polls like last week. Yeah. And we've been had those and I was like, dang, but he like his shit is actually popping. Um, (laughs) But you, you do a really awesome. I mean, you look at the top of the thing and it just looks like it do, It just looks like dots, like just a series of dots going across the screen because he's got all these stories. But he does a great job of I mean, you, I'm talking to you so I can just say you do a great job of, you know, guiding people, narrating through a journey and showing all these different aspects from I remember Johannesburg had a lot about history. So there were like some, you know, a good six that were just kind of sad and about the apartheid. And you talked about going out like it, you have a really great way of displaying the narrative through Instagram. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, man. I do. I'd be, I'd be watching. I'd be lying low, but I'd be, <laughs> I'd be seeing everybody's shit. Oh, uh, 
it helps with the show, but it gives me perspective because I'm looking at this train right now and I'm just like, um, okay, how do I get up to Canada to get on this damn train? <laughs> um, in Tel Aviv, you say there are hot people there. You know, even if the music's whack, I'm down, you know. <laughs> Bring my own Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. So what, what piece of advice would you give to somebody who... Man, I don't want to say it's kind of at the point that we were at where it's like, hey, do I just throw this life away and take that jump? Maybe somebody who just has a desire to to travel, but between all the influences of them growing up, they just haven't made that move yet. What what sort of advice would you give somebody who, who'd like to have these sort of experiences? Um, I would say, first and foremost, write it down. Mm. Write it down because it's, it's scientifically proven that those that um, have things in mind will make it a goal. Uh, tend to achieve them more more than those that don't. Yes. So that's how I got to where I am because I wrote down my dreams. I wrote down that in the, in the perfect world, I will live in London and travel the world. And I think what that does when you put when you put that from mind to paper, and you you know are open to the possibilities, I think you start to uh, get more sensitive to the opportunities that might um, come. A, dude, a thousand percent. And we we got a little bit of time. So let's let's get into that, though. When it comes to goal setting, I'm fascinated with how people who've had success in any in any way have gotten there. And writing was one of the ways that I made my trip to Paris. So you wrote that down. But did you write it down just one time and look at it every day? Or did you write it down once a week? How did how did that particular intention work for you play out for you? Mm. Um, I wrote it. <clears throat> I remember writing it down once. And then I would talk about it. Like whenever it was on my mind, I would start talking about it. And I would start talking about like maybe um, strategies for me to achieve it or opportunities that I thought, you know, could be a way for me to, to jump on it. Uh, so I just kind of had a dialogue um, via journal of, of just about the journey of how I'm going to get there or, you know, um, just the status of what, it, how it is now, but where, where my dreams lie. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot of frequent mentions in my journal about the, about my dreams, but, uh, it helped a lot. Right. So, so in your conversations with yourself, this was, you know, hot topic all the time. And you, you absolutely do. You're so on point with what you said is you'll become more sensitive to ways of making it work. When you're just thinking about something, you start seeing opportunities differently or start seeing things that were disadvantages, quote unquote, as things that you could, you know, leverage. Um, were you were you out here posting on Facebook or Instagram saying, I'm about to head out to London, y'all can't stop me. Like, were you very public about this sort of stuff or it was very much a, a internal dialogue? Definitely internal. But it's so funny because at one point when I was doing a trip to London, my, I think it was my second to last trip before I made the big move in summer of 2014, I just felt compelled. I don't know what moved me to do it, but maybe my, my, I guess my gut or my heart would do something that I didn't. And I remember posting a status saying 2014, Travis Levy is travel writer. Wow. And I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't even know what a travel writer really did, but for whatever reason, while I was in London, while I was in the place that I knew I was meant to be, I just felt compelled to write those words. And I put that as a Facebook status. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that I still have saved. So it's just crazy how full circle that was that I guess in some way I did kind of put it out there 
I guess it did kind of put that energy out there, even if I didn't understand what it was at the time. But it's right. Wow, dude. Dude, thanks for being able to break down, you know, pull back the veil on some of that, because I think there's some mechanics to being successful, whether you're dealing with travel or business or life. And we're going to talk about your business right next, because I know you're going to be successful just because the way you're talking about this. Like, I'm so excited for you. Uh, But I think there's some mechanics that just work consistently. When you look at top performers, top achievers, you, you hear a lot of the same stuff. And you're right on brand with that. So why don't you talk to us about one, thank you so much for sharing that and how somebody could get started. Did you have another point to uh, how to get started traveling besides writing it down? <clears throat> uh, community is everything. Mm. Uh, you, you're, you know, I think most people feel impeded um, by circumstances with traveling, whether it be money, uh, kids, what have you. And I think sometimes you get so... Um, you get so engulfed in your own problems that you don't realize that other people with the exact, exact, exact same set of problems have still been able to make it work. And those are the people that you need to reach out to so that they can teach you how to make it work for you as well. So you, there's family travel bloggers that you can talk to of how to make it work on a budget when you have a three-year-old um, daughter or there's someone you can talk to about like backpacking in Europe um, but only a $20, $20 or 20 euro a day budget. So I think going on, on Facebook or reaching out to people that you know and just, um, you know, getting information, I think will help um, embolden you and show you that there's a way. And that's, I think that's a, the, really the, the major one is that like, if you want to travel and you're not in a, a third world country where you're, your salary is like $50 a month, uh, you most likely can make a way to travel. Right. Right. A hundred percent, man. Like I just, I just want to sit back and I'm listening to you preach. I'm just like, yeah, he's so on point. Um, th- these are things I've seen time and time again from my own circle. And even as an entrepreneur, bro, like I imagine going over to London and being involved in that field, you know, you were around other writers, other journalists, other editors, and that just kind of fostered that confidence and those resources for you to have the success that you're currently having. Right. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. If you were off by yourself, it would be, it would be a different sort of challenge. You've got it right. It's, it's really about the people that you're surrounded by. Um, you know, of course, like give when you can and, and help someone else up after you've you know, succeeded in your own you know, travel pursuits. Um, I do want to add um, another strategy that I use. Actually, yeah, please. Quick um, and fascinating story. So 2013, <clears throat> I did something interesting. I went to the airport. I was actually heading from Atlanta to Chicago because I didn't think I could afford anything else at the time um, as far as travels go. And instead of going to the domestic terminal to you know, sit in the gate where I was supposed to board, I went straight to the inter- international concourse. Hmm. And I took my bags with me and I sat down in the boarding gate. I think the, the plane was going to go to Tokyo. I just remember just sitting there and just imagining myself um, being, you know, being able to board all these international flights one day. So just sitting there and just feeling like, okay, they're going to call my name or call my, you know, uh, zone, my boarding zone so I can go to Rio de Janeiro or go to Tokyo or go to Paris. And just sat there and just felt good about my ultimate goal of traveling the world. And um, funny enough, 
I don't know how it happened. I don't know how money changed or opportunities came. But when I thought I could only afford one trip just to Chicago that that sum that summer, yeah. a month and a half later, I went. I had enough money in wherewithal to go to London, to Paris, to Brussels, to Vancouver, to Seattle, <laughs> and some other places. And wow. then a month and a half. And but that was after I kind of set that in motion of just feeling good about my goal. So I don't know. I don't think it's a scientifically proven sort of step. Like you visualize and things will happen, but I just know that when I visualize things, it tends to make things come true. So I say just being positive and, and trying to immerse yourself in what you want to be, then there might be a chance you might actually match that to your reality. Right. Think, thinking of either the person you want to become or the, or yourself and those emotions in that experience you want to have, dude, you're, you're on point. When, when's your birthday? <laughs> what month? I'm a Capricorn. Okay. Okay. I don't, I don't fool with astrology, but I was like, man, he feels like kinfolk. Um, I thought you <laughs> might've been in Pisces because I thought only crazy people like Pisces thought things like this. But um, Pisces is my favorite. Um, that's my favorite sign. Actually. I get along so well with Pisces. All my closest friends are Pisces basically. See, ain't this easy, bro? And listen, when you the next time you go out to Tel Aviv, when I take the show on the road, this is about to all be a business expense because we're going to do a follow-up interview. In fact, I might not even release this shit just so I have an excuse. <laughs> no, no, we're definitely going to get this out, man, because you, you dropped such amazing stuff. And when you're talking about giving and sharing, like, dude, this is it. So for anybody listening, like, you, this is this is what it's about. He's given such good you know, gems about how to make this work and from an authentic standpoint, man. So I appreciate it. So now we flip the script and I want to hear about what you got going on. Where's the next trip? We know the stories are coming up about uh, Israel and South Africa, but what other adventures do you have going on? What kind of fancy trains are you getting on next? <laughs> um, no trains, but maybe a yacht cruise. <clears throat> hey, what, where are we going? Where, where's, where's the yacht cruise? So it, as of this recording, um, I have two trips I've been invited to and they still need to be confirmed. And I, and I hope to God they're both confirmed because this will make my September so lit. But um, <laughs> I've been invited to um, tour Vietnam. Wow. On Vietnam Airlines. So Vietnam Airlines is sponsoring the trip. <clears throat> and I got, I got commissioned by one of my editors of Business Insider to cover um, their flight because they, they're the only airline that goes uh, nonstop from the UK straight to Vietnam. They had Hanoi or Ho Chi Minh. Okay. And um, I might be able to do business class. Hey. So cross my fingers for that and do Halong Bay and Hanoi and a beautiful um, mountain village that people don't know about in the West that kind of just opened up to the West. So that should be exciting. And then I literally will fly back from Vietnam to the, to London, stay for London for like a day, and then get flown to Indonesia to do a luxury yacht cruise around the Komodo Islands. Wow! I can't wait. If it happens, I can't wait, <laughs> bro. Like that's that's the dream right there. Like that, and the experiences are so unique, dude. Yeah, like um, people don't know like how many invites I get all the time to mm -hmm. like different countries and it's so weird for me because I'm like before I became a traveler I would think you know I would take everything I can get but once you've been at this for for you know quite a bit and, and you know tasted like the best of the best 
you kind of turn down places, you know? So I'm like, oh, France, no, that's not exotic enough. Or, oh, you're going to um, Abu Dhabi? Uh, nah, Vietnam sounds better. I'll go maybe next year. So it's just kind of crazy to kind of be in this position where, like, the world is literally handed to me and I can, ha- I can actually have a choice. Right. Or, or petition to, like... Um, go like to apply for a place for me to like write a story about so i'm actually trying to do that for Antarctica, whether this or next year which i think we talked about in the last recording mm-hmm. but uh it's just crazy to kind of have that power to just be like i think i want to go to Antarctica, and i can like pitch an editor and if the cruise accepts it i can then go to Antarctica. <laughs> Dude, that that's so lit and i mean you've, you've expanded your your travel palette you know Paris isn't popping as much. Or, you know, Paris ain't going nowhere. So why do something that, you know, has been done for hundreds of years, written about, why not be the first one to bring out that first piece that, you know, that first photo that opens people's eyes to, you know, Vietnam or this part of, you know, Indonesia, like the Komodo Islands. That's that's lit. Yeah, man. So it's it's exciting. So those are the two that I have set up. And then eventually, hoping by uh, late October, early November, um, I'll be back in uh, South Africa and try to stay there for at least two months and hopefully be there for Afropunk for New Year's Eve in Johannesburg. What? Afropunk is New Year's Eve in Johannesburg? Yeah, they had, the, they had their first one uh, last New Year's Eve, and I heard it was popping. I was so jealous of my friends that went. Oh, shit, because it's popping off in BK right now. I've been to the one in Paris, but yo, I, we, we haven't talked about this, but my next two places to move are either uh, Kuala Lumpur, or Johannesburg, but New Year's, it could be on popping, dude. Yes. What? <laughs> and that's just me casually saying stuff offhand because that kind of works for me too. But like, shit, yeah. You know how black <laughs> is going to be up in that piece? Exactly. And it's so funny because Joburg is already like a, a edgy city, oh like edgy yeah. side, like city. So it's just, it's going to be so lit. I can't wait. I know it's going to be better than the first year. Oh my, I'm, I'm getting chills, bro. Okay, okay, focus, focus, Jay, focus, <laughs> focus. Yo, it's going to be so, like, bro, so dense. That's going to be crazy. Yes, get your tickets if, if you can. Bruh, okay, 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 got it. So you put us on game, we got we got luxury cruises, airline, Discovery in, in Vietnam, and the Komodo Islands, and Afropunk in, uh, for New Year's in Jayburg. So let's talk about some of the business ventures, because to me, you are the travelpreneur. That's going to be the title of this episode, because I named mm. it two months ago. But you're not only just out here doing the luxury thing, the travel, the journalism, the photography, but you have good business sense. You're an entrepreneur. So tell us about those ventures and things you have going on there. Sure. Um, for What I have on offer right now is um, I um, have a coaching program for those that want to break into the travel industry um, because there might be people like me that they know they're a good writer. Of course, they love seeing the world. They would like to combine their passions and make a living from it. But they may have already graduated college and don't have a, a journalism degree. And they're like, well, how do I break in? And so uh, using my experiences after being in the game for, I guess now it's uh, three years, three years. Mm-hmm. Plus. But it's been a, it's been a, pretty upwardly mobile three years i must say for the balance that i've achieved and so i think i i have enough um you know wisdom to, to share with people that want to break in 
And I definitely want to target uh, travel bloggers because uh, travel bloggers, uh, for the most part, are also good writers and they might want to break into the freelance world as well and get paid to um, write as they would on their blog too. So that's one. And then the other thing I just started this year is um, a marketing agency, a video-driven marketing agency for the luxury travel industry. Um, so I always keep it real and say that uh, travel writing, the perks are great, but the pay sucks. Mm. It's very hard to make a living from it as a freelancer, unless you're like a, just an incredibly fast writing machine. Uh, and I am not. <laughs> I am not that. It takes me quite a while. So I wanted to do something in a way that I can still um, be involved with the industry, but make a better living from it and also be a bit more hands-on with the uh, brands that are out there. So I would love to start working with luxury hotels and resorts, making sure that branding is tight, making sure they're getting video marketing because that's the best way to connect with consumers today for them to book. Um, yeah getting their copywriting together and but on top of that just hiring um and nurturing the talent under me um for them to have you know the jobs and you know perhaps travel the world too as they probably had dreamed of um, as a filmmaker or um a consultant or whatnot so uh yeah that's what i've started this year and it's been quite a journey so far as an entrepreneur but just gonna keep going at it and see what happens a hundred percent. And does this new venture have a name yet? Right now it's just um, called Levius and Co. Substantial. Substantial young man. That's great. <laughs> Levius and Co. Hell yeah, it's got a name. Damn, man. Yeah, Levius and Co. That's what's up, y'all. Uh, and that's dope, man. Not only being able to kind of, you know, reach down the ladder below you and extend a hand with, you know, all the wisdom and knowledge and the connections you've absorbed as a consultant, but to do the same thing for you know, probably up and coming luxury, you know, attractions after seeing it modeled all over the world. Like you got a lot of experience and yeah, it's been up and mobile, dude. You're at the, you're at some of the top, you know, top points of the game. You know what I'm saying? No, thank you. Thank you. I try, man. I try. <laughs> hey, and that, that's all that's required of us, isn't it? Just like fucking try y'all. Like if, yeah. <laughs> listen to this episode, but at the end of the day, just like, please, God, fucking try. <laughs> I kill you to try. Trust me, I'm guilty of that myself of overthinking, but it's just like, put it out there. You're not going to die if you made a mistake and people didn't like it as much as you would have liked them to. Just keep going until you perfect it. Uh, so I'm just yeah, preaching to myself right now, by the way. Dude, hey, listen, we're preaching to each other, man. <laughs> All coaching is self-coaching. I firmly believe that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah man let's end it on that note dude i really appreciate you having the time i know we got some time zone difference and you probably have a shindig to get to even though it's monday you know your life is popping i get it i understand yeah. but thank you so much for all you shared and i hope people are getting a lot out of this yeah thank you again for having me man you definitely do a great thing with the pinot noir podcast and i hope it just blows up like nobody's business <laughs> oh man this we, we we out here trying to make moves you know what i'm saying yeah uh <laughs> to see you know more um black male travel voices yeah dude and dude the, the quality yourself included like no doubt just the quality of guests we've been able to attract just in these first few episodes bro like this is tribe so we're, we're gonna talk more about that but dude these brothers got stories 
Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I have to like um, sit down and listen to to like all of them because I'm sure they have so many gems. And um, I saw that Will Edmund was one of your interviewees, right? Yeah, man. We were just hanging out last week in Dallas. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, my my um my boy Prince Eric um, knows of him. Um, I love his videos. He's he's dope. I need to connect with him actually. <laughs> yeah, man. His stuff on YouTube is popping and is growing. Um, and he's just he's. Like he's such a cool. He's nice in ways that I just am not. Like he's a he's a country boy, you know, but super cultured, and he just smiles at people and they smile back, and I'm like, yeah, I'm too East Coast for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That is a thing for, with us, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is, bro. We just we got a little bit of grit, but yeah, man, check it out. Let me know what you think. Um, we'll be in touch. And thanks again for stopping by, bro. Uh, Let's wrap soon and safe travels, huh? All right. Thank you, man. Take it easy. All right, man. You too. All right. Peace. It never hurts to stop and imagine the finer things in life. And after listening to that session, which I've listened to like four times by now, listen, bro, I want my boarding pass put in 24 karat gold. Like, that's just where we at right now. Challenge your dreams. Make them bigger. And thank you so much, Travis, for stopping by. Y'all, make sure to follow him on Instagram, at Mr. Levy. It sounds official as hell. Y'all can't forget it, and it's in the show notes. So keep yourself inspired. Keep pushing your dreams. Keep hitting that edge. And keep your mindset right. On the other side of business, let's talk about these passports. Simple four-step process. Here we go. From the top. One, be a man of color that does not have a passport. Number two, follow Jerry the Third on Twitter. Number three, at Jerry the Third and say what having a passport would mean to you. And number four, just make sure you include the hashtag Passpoint18. That's it. Simple four-step process. It'll take you longer to brush your teeth than to do that. So if you have a passport, share it with a brother of yours. If you don't, definitely consider. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm out here. love talking to people all day long. Hope you guys have enjoyed this, the Baker's Dozen episode. I wish I could name it that, but we had Travis on the show. It's got a different name. But this has been the Baker's Dozen episode. Thank you for hanging out with us here at The Point. This is Jerry the Third, a.k.a. Kimono Jack, signing off.